Hello and welcome to Postgres FM, a weekly show about all things PostgreSQL. I am Michael, founder of PG Mustard. This is my co-host Nikolai, founder of Postgres AI. Hey Nikolai, what are we talking about today? Hello, let's talk about query optimization, like second step, third step after you identified maybe third step, right? But first step is you found some queries which behave not well. Second step, you found some optimization idea. And what's next? Yeah, exactly. How do we know whether it would be safe to make the change that we're thinking about, whether it will make a difference, that kind of thing. Yep. And this is one of the topics our listeners requested. Yeah, exactly. I think they phrased it quite nicely. It was like a 102, I think they said, like the American class, like the in terms of university courses, right? Is that how, how it works? 101 is the intro and then 102 is the next I'm not long. the best pers- person who can explain <laughs> this, but yeah, I, I saw it. 101 is everywhere, right, right. Yeah. So where to start? Let's first make a step back and think about how we verified our optimization idea. As usual, I have strong opinion here because I see a usual approach is either to rely on experience or to test it right on production. Because the problem is the usual problem is that non-production environments, they have different data, different size of database. Everything is different, sometimes different hardware, but actually hardware is less important much less important. We can tune our Postgres on a weak hardware to behave in terms of planned choices, to behave exactly like on production. It's possible. But the data, statistics, and the planner settings, of course, these things are the most important. So the question is how you verify your ideas. How do you do it? And the answer, great. So what do you Well, I'm interested. Yeah, well, so... I think you've probably gone really advanced there already talking about how hardware is is less important. I think the first lesson is that testing in a similar setup as possible is really useful. And maybe there's some exceptions to that. But by similar, I think the, the first thing I always try and encourage people to do is make sure the quantity of data is similar. So and I guess we're testing two things, right? The first thing we want to test is for the single query that I was trying to optimize or for the single problem I was trying to solve, does this solve that problem? And then there's a secondary level, does it introduce other problems or does it work well amongst the whole load of the system? But right, so we want to, we want our non-production Postgres behave ideally exactly in the same manner as production would do it. Actually, production can change. Yesterday it, it chose one plan, today there is no guarantee it chooses the same plan. And this is a quite well known in Postgres. And unfortunately, Postgres doesn't provide a good way to solve this problem. I mean, to freeze the plan choice and avoid sudden plan flips for critical queries. But it's another topic. So... This this another topic just I, I mentioned it just to to give the feeling that the planner behavior is not stable. So achieving the same planner behavior on non-production environment it's quite a challenge, right? But there are, there are specific tricks that can help us. For example, of course, ideally we want the same data because the same data will mean the statistic content is the same, so we are fine. There are tricks to export, import PG statistic content, even if you don't have data. There are some not very popular, but interesting extensions. I think they came from Japan. I don't remember names, but we will provide links. It's possible to export and import statistic. 
I, this approach have limitations. It's similar to hypothetical indexes, partitions. Very interesting approach, and sometimes it's good. But what if we want like true behavior? So executor really executes our plans, and we can see the behavior of Postgres for our query. In this case, we want the same data. Of course, there are several levels how we can be close to the same. We can just take it as is on physical level. This is the absolutely good approach. We, we just take, grab the same PG data. If we have managed Postgres, we just clone it. Most of managed services allow to clone. It takes time, it costs money, but it will give us the same data and so we can see behavior there. But sometimes we cannot copy on physical level. So we can only copy on logical level. But as you said, the numbers of rows, for example, will be the same. So we're good. A problem, not really in the topic of performance, but a problem I see quite a few customers coming across with that is the kind of access to data. So giving developers access to production data can be problematic from a privacy exactly. point of view. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's very problematic. And in my opinion, it's not about... There are two problems that access of arbitrary developer and company to production can bring us. First problem is security. And second problem, I think it's more important, even more important. Security, we can ask them to sign something, to do security trainings, a lot of things. But second problem is more interesting. Developers want to develop, so they add a lot of instability. If we allow developers to go to production, it can introduce challenges in terms of stability because we want to have an established process of development, testing, and deployment. So we don't want developers to go and, and check, for example, oh, I have a great index idea, I will create it right on production, primary node, and, and I will check. It's not good. So, right, but security is also a concern. But even if you don't talk about security, which is a very big concern, if we need to use logical copy of a production, for example, question is, will plan be the same? Row counts are the same, right? Statistics should be the same. And, uh, for example, we took the same, even same hardware, and we put the same Postgres settings to configuration. Question is, does it guarantee that the planner will behave in exactly the same manner or no? So the, the place my head's going to is at using Analyze and it sampling. It, even when you run Analyze, you need to you right. get samples of tables, right? So maybe that's not the only way it could be different, but that's one reason it could be. I agree. Yeah, yeah some, some instability there. But also, if you have a lot of bloat, for example, yeah. the yeah. rel pages is different. So on your new node, on your on your logical clone, rail pages will be smaller, and this definitely this this directly affects the planner behavior. So it can choose different plan. So we can see different access nodes and plan, and not, not access nodes, execution nodes and, and plan when you compare production and this logical replica. Unfortunately, and there is no, I don't know solution to this problem, but it's quite interesting problem. So and, we and actually. Not just bloat, also, I guess, insert order, right? Like correlation of Physical data distribution, yeah. yeah. Well, this, you, you, mean, you mean the buffer numbers will be different. This, is, this I understand. Yeah. For example, we need to read a thousand rows. We, we had thousands of buffer reads and hits on our source, but we have only 100 or we have, we have like much fewer hits and reads on our replica because more compact storage, for example, uh, of these rows. This is possible, right? 
But the question is, will structure of the plan will be the same? And answer, unfortunately, we cannot guarantee. Usually it's very close, but unfortunately, real pages is different and it directly affects the planner behavior. But we're, we're talking about edge cases, right? Not the majority of the time if we're talking about simple OLTP type queries. Does it use the index? Does it not? The kind of things people are probably worried most about, they're likely to be easily replicated once you have a similar like sample of data. Right, right. I agree. And sometimes, for example, we might have multiple production environments and they are slightly different. So things can be very interesting in various cases, but at least we can be as close as possible if we aim to do it. We we say, okay, we have a billion rows in a table. Let's have a billion rows in a table in our production environment, non-production environments. And then we can see the plans. Now back to the topic. If we have a plan, if we have a query and a plan, and now we want to ensure that it's a good idea and we need to approve it. Of course, a direct comparison before and after, it's already good. Right, So we have one query and we see that our change, for example, we create an index or we do something else, we change query somehow, we directly see that IO numbers improved. So conclusion is, let's do it. But as you mentioned in the very beginning, of course, there are some cases when our change can affect other queries. And the question is how to find it holistically, how to test it holistically. And this is an unsolved problem. First of all, let's consider one case when it's, it can be possible. I had it and I wrote an article about it. Uh, we will provide it. So it's like an interesting case when optimization of index led to all updates being worse in terms of execution. Why? Idea was simple. For example, we have some select. It's quite slow and it's not, maybe not slow, but we see that it uses some index which we can reduce in size significantly adding a where clause. We add an aware clause, everything fine. This select has better performance because index size is smaller and, and so on. Because now it's partial, smaller, right? But then we deploy it and, and suddenly you see that latency of all updates on average reduced. Why? Because we lost hot updates. Because adding some column to index definition, even if it's in the, in the where clause, leads to different behavior of updates because hot updates, heap only tuple updates. They are possible only if no indexes have column name in their definitions, that column which we are changing. Yes. Right. So if we change some column, a usual case, for example, updated at a timestamp, we usually tend to change it when we do updates, right? Because it's the semantics of this column. But if we have an index on it, no such updates can be heap-only tuple. Heap-only tuple up updates, they are much faster than regular updates because during these updates, Postgres doesn't touch all indexes. It doesn't need to change all indexes. But with regular updates, Postgres needs to update each index. And this, this is called index amplification, index write amplification issue. One of those which Uber highlighted in their article. So losing hot updates may be painful. So, right. especially on a heavily loaded system, for sure. Right. The the other the thing the place I am starting to see some progress on in terms of tooling is people even being aware that some of these things are a problem. So the it's PG Analyze added an index advisor uh, in the last year or two, and one of the things that it points out is an estimate of right 
performance overhead. So not only not only can indexes be a problem in terms of preventing hot updates, they also add write overhead for new rows, for example. Oh yeah, any index. If you create one more index, definitely you add overhead. Definitely, yeah. and we can actually estimate. We can measure it. And this is interesting. And this definitely it's possible to improve tooling. Definitely. I don't yeah. see best tools here. I made a couple of attempts to create tools. One of the ideas was to create a benchmarking tool, which will be used in any change for any change related to database. It, it was called Nancy bot. And the idea was we will replay workload before and after our change. We will collect all metrics, for example, from PGSTAR statements, from logs, auto-explain, everything. And then we will provide the direct comparison before and after. And we see exactly which queries degraded and which queries improved. And this was a great idea. We had even had a good interface and so on. But then I realized that Practically, it's not possible to run full-fledged benchmarks every time developers does any change because it's like it's just economically doesn't work. It's too expensive. You need separate machine or a couple of machines, sometimes several in, in, in a batch. Sometimes we ran several experiments like, what if we do this, 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 like we have 10 options and we executed them. Then questions arise like we, we executed them in parallel, not sequentially because the sequential is too slow. If if each experiment takes 10 minutes, you want to execute it in parallel. But then questions uh, arise, okay, but what about, are all virtual machines the same? Or there are some deviations, for example, you, yeah. one of them got worse disk or CPU or something. So we had a noisy neighbor, yeah. Right, 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 right. So like we added a lot of logic, like uh, micro benchmarks to ensure that uh, like some uh, baseline is met and so on and so on and so on. And complexity grew, but... The main problem was you just need to pay a lot to do such experiments. Some companies can, can afford it. Also, the, one of the biggest problems was how to replay workload. There was PG Replay and PG Replay Go. I, I saw the other, maybe yesterday, I saw the article from Frank Pasho, uh, uh, Yugabyte, uh, about how to run uh, PG Replay for Yugabyte, or PG Replay Go, actually, for Yugabyte. But collecting queries is also a challenge, and uh, I did it several times. And so the bottom line, it's quite complex. It's possible to do it. Some companies actually implemented something, but it's very hard to create a universal tool here. But still, there is need here. There is need. We want to cover all changes with some testing, right? But the good news here is that we don't need full-fledged clones. We we can do in a shared environment. We can focus on I/O metrics and run many experiments on just one machine. This is what we do with database lab and thin clones and database branching, and it's possible. So we can have thin clones. Of course, they have different timing because different file system. For example, ZFS or or anything else. BTFS is also an option. And then you run multiple experiments right on one machine, and you don't care about timing. You care about plan structures and IO numbers, and you can verify many things. So. Question, next question is what to verify. Okay, we have our query we want to optimize. We found some index idea. We verified that query is improved. How to check other queries? Well, some new tooling needs to be built here, right? And I think it consists of two areas. First area is a reaction. Uh, we need to re- reactive approach. We want to grab the content of PGSTAR statements periodically from production and have some regression testing. 
we can reduce the scope if we we can parse queries already normalized queries using pg query library from lucas fitel right to identify which tables are involved and if we consider optimization for a particular table we can find only those queries from top 100 or top 500 by total time by calls somebody needs to decide what is the most important metric and which queries are most critical for our application but we can find those queries which potentially might be affected of course we can also think about triggers and various dependencies foreign keys and so on so this is tricky but anyway we can find it automatically and using think clone using single connection sequentially we can we can test many queries but the problem will be how to find parameters which which parameters to use for those queries and this is unsolved problem i already mentioned that it's this is big problem how which parameters to test in right. in reality what do you see it's like in reality that what i see people doing and i think it's probably at a smaller scale to you is that they reason about the potential effects talk discuss it amongst the team during the pr process during the discussions then they monitor well they then they deploy to production and monitor and maybe they provision a little uh, bit a extra. purely reactive approach right so exactly. we, we deploy and see yeah this is possible first of all of course code review helps and having a bunch of very experienced postgres experts helps a lot right they can say oh you know what this is good idea but what uh, will happen what what's other head from it Let's think about it. Of course, we can manually analyze and try to predict. And if you have experience 10 plus years, it will work quite well unless you're very tired, very busy, have days off and so on. So I I still think about a fully automated automatic approach. But it's yeah, it's possible and we can check metrics and have some alerts. For example, if updates are very important for us, if the ratio of hot updates dropped after our release it can be somehow flagged alerted and so on this is good approach yes but it's purely react- reactive right and actually most projects even they don't even don't have this even this so i agree this could be a good step towards it but back to fully automated fashion yeah which queries to check we need to check queries from production for regression testing and that's possible and we actually in some, in a couple of cases we already have something like that for, with our database lab engine everything is done in ci cd and the user users see the difference and potential degradation before we deploy it it's it's very good but additionally we need to think about absolutely new queries for example if it's a new feature new feature branch and it introduces some new queries or heavy rewrite of for existing queries production doesn't have this queries so second part of it it's even more challenging we need to test absolutely new queries here and i i'm just explaining our thoughts we moved to in, in this direction with database lab and i'm excited to to let in future we will have fully automated testing of all things related to databases even for those who are not experts at all and when experts are involved they have a lot of artifacts metrics to analyze and understand much quicker what to do and how to fix it so every, every everyone can move faster and with better quality and so on so uh, right now without this tooling idea is right we need to have code review and some every database schema change we need to test the change itself but also think about how it will affect workload yeah 
And I guess first step, a lot of some people don't even check about the locks involved, right? That, that's that's like I guess that maybe that's one hundred and one rather than one hundred and two, but making sure that it's it's not a blocking change. I know this has got a lot better in more recent but, Postgres right, versions. This is I I even don't uh, discuss it considering it's too trivial. But right, so like create index should have concurrently and updates should be in batches. Yeah, and this is actually we solved uh, with database lab. We have a fully automated verification that no exclusive logs last more than specified number of seconds. Like for yeah, example, nice. one second. Or yeah, this is possible to fully automate for the change itself. But we spent some time understanding how to test the change itself, and quite already solved it. We can put it to your CD, CI/CD. But now question is, I, I think it's a bigger question. For example, some developer created something but forgot index how to see uh, that it will be bad if we deploy this and how to see yeah. it without involving very very expensive and very experienced uh, dbas every time right so we should involve them only if we have a hard question not a simple question like forgotten limit or index which degrades our other queries and so on yeah, and I was. You mentioned PG Replay Go. That's for my the old, the company I used to work at, Go Cardless, and I I think that's how yeah, yeah, exactly. they reason. Right. Yeah. So I think that's how I remember it being used most. It was big changes. It was risky things. It was things that people already knew were potentially problematic. Right. For example, so, uh, big functionality. We deploy big functionality, or we had some refactoring during several months. Right large migration, that kind right. of thing. Right. Well, in my opinion, benchmarks with multiple sessions should be applied very rarely when something big changes, either like big new release happens or migration to newer Postgres, major Postgres version or change of infrastructure, change of operational system. It happens a couple of times per quarter maximum, usually, right? Yeah. Even in much less normally. Much less normally. It doesn't depend on the size of company, actually, because uh, anyway, it, it it's very expensive change usually, and it's a good. It's a good that we need benchmarks, full-fledged benchmarks, so not every day. But application changes might happen every day, sometimes several times per day, and they might change some small part of database. Good news on the small part of database, right? We don't perform huge refactoring every day, so if we change only one table, two tables. We should be able to test it in more light manner. This is why I'm so big fan of thin cloning, and I'm so excited to see others also think about database branching. Neon database, they say about it, like they say you can test a lot of things in CI/CD. It's, it will be cheap. Actually, Aurora has, as we discussed, Aurora has thin clones, but it's not cheap. You need to pay for each clone for compute power separately. I hope new one will be different. So running on one machine and you pay for a single machine, but run many many tests at the same time on one machine. Otherwise, it doesn't scale because you sometimes need the dozens of tests happening in parallel if you have big organization. It can be very costly. So you will turn it off and you will be without testing, returning to bad times again. But the advice right now is, yes, have database reviews, Try to automate some things. Learn your pgstat.user tables, right? P 
because it, it shows you how many updates and hot updates you have. Some tuple statistics, it's very good to understand it. I, I'm not, I don't agree with uh, a Datadoc approach. If you go to database uh, dashboard in Datadoc, they have a lot of improvements lately over the last year or two. But if you check what they name, they present it as throughput, tuple statistics. No, no. Throughput is TPS, QPS. This is throughput. Our global throughput for our database now. But tuple statistics is important, but it should be in details. But it's an off topic. Anyway, understanding when you change something for a table, understanding tuple statistics from PGStat user tables, it's a good thing to have. And you can see, oh, I lost hot updates. Oops. Yeah. Right. How would your like advice change if we're talking about smaller teams? If we're talking, let's say, like you're a six-person startup, you've got a decent amount of data, but not necessarily, you know, not billions of rows, and maybe the team is currently prioritizing moving fast, and if, if they have a few problems that they have to fix, that's okay. Is there any changes in this? Like, Because this feels like a very safe approach. Like The kind of tooling we've discussed seems very, very much optimized for try to avoid a problem at, at almost any cost? Well, yeah, good question. First of all, I would anyway change mindset to use uh, buffers instead of timing. Anyway, yeah. even even if you're small, because it will save you so much. Like, Of course, there is such thing as a premature optimization when you try yeah. to optimize too early, too much, but still, if you know that some table, you will use it as a, like in the queue pattern. Insert, update, and delete. Insert, update, delete. It will be bloated a lot of... You need some experiment anyway. This experiment, by the way, can still be a single user, single session experiment in shared environment because you don't actually need to use PGBench and utilize all CPUs. To, you don't need some kind of background workload unless this workload also deals with your table. What you do need is to think about the future, like what will happen one or two years with this table, how big it will be, and run some benchmark with one session to fill it and then to run one more session to next you run to update it heavily and so on and see what bloat will be. And do, do you have good indexes here or no? Like if you focus on buffers, you will quickly, this mi mindset change is very important because you will start comparing like, like in your, in, in your tool, PG Mustard, you compare, for example, rows, buffers, buffer numbers. To get one row, we, we deal with thousand buffers. It doesn't feel good <laughs> at all. So, yeah. and if in one year it will be even worse, probably we should prepare for better growth right here in this area. So we need to test it. We need to test our queries and see what will happen if we, if we have more data, for example. Yeah, right. I think if our, the only other thing I would add is I think I see kind of a couple of extreme failure cases here. I see the failure case where people have not really started adding many indexes at all. They almost have no indexes and then they start to scale or and they have every Or index every column, right? Yeah. Or, yeah, exactly. Or the other extreme where they've added an index every time they've seen a problem or, yeah, I, I've, I've not seen an every column case. I've heard about them, but definitely, you know, every time they see a potential for a multi-column index, they add one. So a single table on even a table of six columns could have 20 indexes on it, different orders, yeah. different. So I've seen both of those failure cases. And I guess if you know you're in one of those, 
then it kind of changes your approach quite a lot. If you're in the, we already have too many indexes, maybe you need to be a bit aware of that and be looking at reducing that. If you know you're in the case of we don't have enough, maybe you've got a little bit more leeway to not have to worry about as much impact of adding extra. You need to understand your workload to to know what to test. And like, this is true, but the change of mindset to buffers and just experiment a lot. This is a good thing. Like experiment, 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 and you 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 will see, and you then you will probably start. If if your everything is based on human decisions, on like based on gut, right? In this case, at some point you will start skipping some checks because you already know that it's 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 okay. But sometimes you will be wrong anyway. <laughs> this is a bad thing. Yeah. So. In fact, the buffers thing came up. I just the other day I saw a really interesting blog post from a company that moved from. RDS for Postgres to Aurora for Postgres. And they, in my opinion, must have not had enough indexes. They must have been doing too much IO because their costs went maybe tripled or something according to the graphs. And it was really interesting to see that and see that they thought this simple migration would be straightforward. But actually, because they hadn't optimized for buffers, they hadn't reduced, you know, being quite efficient on the I.O. front, that hit them with a big bill and some headaches. On Aurora optimization, it's not about performance, it's about money as well, right? And I.O.-centric optimization is the best thing there, because uh, if you focus on reduction of I.O., I don't remember, is it about writes or reads? I remember something different was there. This detail I already forgot. But either writes or reads, can, if you have them a lot, you need to pay for IO at Aurora. So you definitely want to reduce and you want your buffer pool to have better efficiency ratio in terms of hits versus reads. And just you can check your queries and optimize them and so on. And, and if, for example, indeed, if, you, if your index added more, for example, it broke all your hot updates, so hot, hot updates ratio became zero. This is what happened with me a couple of times. In this case, you will start paying more. <laughs> so you yep. optimize one query, but not only you de- degrade it, you have worse performance for other queries, but you're also paying more. It's not good. So my advice yep. is, is know your workload, learn it. From pages statements, for example, right? Focus on buffers, not timing when optimizing. Timing is final, our final goal for optimization, but it should not be used during the process of optimization. It should be only like checked in the beginning and the end. But, but in the, inside of the process optimization, we should be focused on buffers. And finally, experiment a lot. And to experiment a lot, you should just be ready to clone and reset a lot and so on. That's why think cloning is good. And as I've said, Aurora has think cloning, so you can run additional node and test it there, then stop it. I guess they have also like per minute or even per second billing uh, as AWS in general has. Uh, EC2 nodes, they are per second, so it can be very efficient. You you will need to wait some time, like minutes, to provision a node. But then at least you can quickly stop it, right? But pure thing clones, which are like... I named them local thing clones. So we have one VM and many clones inside it. So we pay for only for one VM. It's the best for experimenting. So having such a platform for experimenting is a good, it's a good thing. Anyway, general advice is experiment a lot. Yeah. Sounds great. Anything else you wanted to add? 
No, as usual, subscribe, like, share, provide feedback. Feedback is very important. Share is also very important in your social networks, working groups, Slack, Discord, Telegram, what you use, please share and bring us more ideas. Actually, we have a line, we have a queue of ideas anyway, but we want more. Yeah, exactly. They don't, it's not just always request comes in and we do the exact topic. Sometimes it gives us an idea for a slightly different one or we put two together and that makes a good episode, that kind of thing. So we'll see. Exactly. Thank you so much, everybody. Take care. Cheers, Nikolai.